Hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. I'm Richie Allen. I've got a really interesting programme for you. Join in via the website, via the app for the programme, the Richie Allen Show app. I want to hear your point of view today, so I do. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it's been a very warm day today, unseasonably warm maybe. No, it's just been very warm. It's been very pleasant indeed. As I said, I hope you had a really good weekend. I hope you uh, chilled took it handy and you're looking forward to the week ahead i'm flying solo this afternoon it's just me and you but i've got an interesting couple of hours for you as i've already said do join in i'd like to hear your thoughts do read out loud though as a message you plan on sending me in order to ensure that i can read it out loud myself it is the 25th of september 2023 and as i said already it's uh, Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show. I had a lovely weekend myself, lovely and relaxing. It was lovely, lovely. So it's good It's good to start the week positively. Now, where, where am I going to start today? Right, this is where I'm going to start, right. I, I've had a mad day. Ordinarily, I begin the production of this programme very, very early because it is an arduous task most days. Yes, I, I solicit your sympathy not. I'm not soliciting any sympathy at all, but it's usually pretty labour-intensive. But today, I didn't get to it till the early afternoon, and that is because a friend of mine phoned me early this morning to say that he would be in Manchester and that I should meet him because he had somebody very interesting for me to meet. Okay, now my friend is a freelance journalist who doesn't cover news and politics. It doesn't matter what he covers, but he's a friend of mine and he's worked for pretty much everybody. You can imagine what he covers. Maybe it's sport, maybe. Maybe it's farming. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's travel. But he's worked for everybody. And he says, there's a person I want you to meet, Richie. He says, let's call him Mike. Mike is somebody who I turned on to the Richie Allen show. He said he's listened to it for a couple of months and he's agreed to meet you. And I said, okay, let's let's meet him. Why? He says, well, he might be prepared to come on and tell you something about his his own job and some of the things he's observed. Now, Mike works somewhere in the country for the BBC and he does work in news, politics, current affairs, whatever you'd like to call it, right? And anonymity is really important to him. In fact, I asked him after he'd told me his tale, I said, why haven't you taken this to GB News or to Talk TV? GB News, Farage, I'm not saying I trust Farage I, I don't. I don't trust him any more than I trust Sunak. Of course I don't, but you might get some change out of Farage as he's had his own run-in with cancel culture in terms of his bank account being closed by Coots and all of that. And Mike, my, my new friend, he said he doesn't trust him and he wouldn't trust people working around GB News. He'd be very nervous about being outed, you know. And um, so he said, um, if I was going to do something with you... He said you'd you'd have to use use the software to change my voice. I said, yeah, of course. What is it you want to say, Mike? Anyway, um, met them near Media City, but not too near it. And we drove into the city. Mike is pretty worried, as I said, about the anonymity. This is very cloak and dagger today. And I do confess to enjoying it very much. Made me laugh, to be honest. But we drove into town. 
I said, Mike, what can I do for you? And he says, well, Richie, I've observed a phenomenon these last two to three years, maybe a bit longer. And he says, I've got WhatsApp messages to show you, Richie, to prove what it is I'm saying, but you must not copy them or take screenshots of them. I said, no problem. What's going on? What is it that you've been observing? And then he said this, which I don't think will ultimately surprise you, dear listener, but you are going to be... Wow, I think you'll be like, hmm. He said BBC researchers and bookers, right? The bookers are the ones who go and get the guest to fill the slot on whatever bloody show it happens to be, right? It could be a show or, or a segment dealing with pollution. It could be kids vaping. It could be getting more Asian kids to play soccer. It could be a story about back to school. It could be about crime. It could be about aviation. This is Production 101. It could be a show about business. You get the picture, don't you? I don't need to keep giving you topics. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So the booker or the researcher will then go and find somebody interesting to opine on the subject matter. Example, there's a story about hedgehogs and badgers in the news, but Brian May is busy planning his next tour with Adam Lambert, so Brian May can't do it. So the juniors the researchers, the bookers, will go and get a guest. They will go and phone somebody up and invite them to come on and to participate. Now, Mike told me today, BBC guy, is that as a matter of course, and he, he has observed this, this has become a matter of course, these juniors, 20-somethings mostly, out of uni. Now, don't be under any illusion. The juniors will have to get clearance from the producers. Right, because the producers are the senior people, the senior men and women. So the researchers and the bookers will say, so imagine the producer's name is Mary. It'll be like, Mary, what about this person? Usually Mary will have a look. Yeah, academic, yet yeah, no problems, right? But these researchers and bookers, right, 20-somethings mostly out of uni, wait for it. And while not wholly unsurprised by this, it did take me aback a little bit because I've been a producer in commercial uh, radio, of course, and telly, um, and I'm doing it now independently for many, many, many years. So I've done the job myself. Wait for this. So the bookers and researchers are performing exhaustive background checks on guests before picking up the phone or before writing an email, looking to find anything they might not like about the guest. And I said, really, Mike? And he said, yes. He said, I'll give you an example. Alison, PhD, Leeds University, right, is an expert on hedgehogs. Uh, the junior discovers that Alison has gender critical opinions or voted for Brexit or tweeted or retweeted someone who says immigration policies are a bit crazy there. Ted, Alison is out. Don't book her. Don't book her at all. And Mike told me that guests have been cancelled discreetly after they have been booked, but a researcher has discovered something questionable. This is amazing. So you've booked Alison. Right, Alison, lovely. We'll call you tomorrow at 8.15. The producer will ring you and put you through to the presenter and you can have a good old chinwag about why we need to look after our hedgehogs a bit better. Alison says, brilliant. Somebody discovers something questionable about the... about the... Uh, about Alison or, or the other any other researcher... And they will have a chat with the producer and say they're not comfortable with this person because of some questionable view. And then they will discreetly contact Alison and give some cock and bull story about how something has 
happened. They've double booked or something like that. We're really sorry, Alison, but we'll use you next time. But they never use Alison because Alison has an opinion. So I asked Mike, have you shared this with someone senior? You know, these are the real questions. Mike, have you gone to somebody above you and said, this is outrageous, what's going on? And he said he had, and he showed me the evidence, right? He says, here is the evidence that I have. The seniors, right, the producers and line producers, wait for it, they think this is okay. And they think it's okay because they want to preserve the well-being of the juniors, the younger employees. Because the younger employees are very passionate about the issues and for their well-being and satisfaction at work, let them do what they're doing. Sure, we're getting an expert anyway. What difference does it make? Yeah, but Alison might have had something to say about the hedgehogs kind of a thing, says, says Mike to the producer. And the producer said, no, it's good. Don't worry about it. It's okay. All is good. Wow. They even look at who the potential guest follows. And that might rule you out as well. Because you follow somebody who is deemed to be problematic in terms of how they think and what they say. And he said he has no proof, but he reckons this must be going on at Sky 2 and the other commercial uh, TV and radio stations. It must be going on. Now, I expressed scepticism, of course, dear listener. I've been doing my job over two decades, 25 years, in fact. And I've had the wool pulled over my eyes once or twice, but it didn't feel like I was having the wool pulled over my eyes. I've done the job myself. And I said, Mike, come here and I tell you. Look, I've done it. You want to box off. That is a, right, a trade term. Box off the show tomorrow as quickly as possible. That is what I did when I produced commercial talk radio. Let's get tomorrow's show sorted and boxed off as soon as we can. And then we can have a nice afternoon working for the show for the day after tomorrow. You know, for my money, I look him up and I go, this is me now, Richie Allen, right? Look look up, Alison, Leeds Hedgehogs, brilliant. Alison, will you come on? Yeah, brilliant, Alison. Great stuff, thank God for that. That's a 15-minute segment, boxed off. Move on to the next one, just box it off. And Mike reckon the Beeb is covered here because they're not enforcing this. This is purely organic. This is because the world is changing, he said. This is because the mentality the attitude and the aptitude of younger people coming out of uni is changing. They're not evil, these kids. They completely and utterly believe that this is the right way to go, that they are doing good. Because I asked him that. I said, are they spiteful little bastards, Mike? Are they? And he said, once or twice they are. And he showed me a WhatsApp message where somebody had been triumphantly crowing in a WhatsApp group that they'd managed to bump somebody from a slot on a regional BBC panel discussion show. They bumped the person because the person was, I think, had something to do with the Brexit party at one time. Yeah, and was now working in business. So it was a discussion about business. No, we can't have that person on. Gleefully. But he said, generally it isn't spiteful. They think they're doing the right thing. It's 11 minutes past the air. What do you reckon to that? How interesting is that? Uh, your thoughts on that and what we're going to discuss throughout the next couple of hours on richieallen.co.uk, where it says Comet Live. Also use the Richie Allen Show app. The Richie Allen Show app uh, can be downloaded via Google Play or via the App Store. Isn't that amazing that you would take it upon yourself to... You, you, you are filling a programme to do with the nesting habits of wild swans, right? 
or something like that. And you go looking for experts. There are websites, funnily enough. Expert Sources is one website where you could go and look for somebody. So you get an expert and you think, brilliant. But before you phone them, you start looking into whether or not this is somebody of a questionable character. You start looking into their points of view, their opinions, their associations. And based on that, you will make a decision on whether to phone them or not. Isn't that amazing? We're talking about the Ministry of Truth here, aren't we? And it was a really, I mean, it's chilling, isn't it? And, and I know you're going to say, Rich, I'm not surprised. I'm not entirely surprised either, but it did blow me away. I've invited him on, Mike. I said, look, I don't know what use it's going to be, you coming on with me. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to use the software to disguise your voice. Our listeners won't be blown away by it, but yeah, other people might hear it. But what was really interesting was the Beeb, as an organisation, he, he said, they're neatly covered here because this isn't, uh, this isn't a, a policy by the corporation. It isn't. It's happening organically and they're happy to go along with it. Let the kids do it because, look, the kids are very passionate. That's what a producer said to this guy, Mike Hoy, who I was able to verify as a BBC employee. Gave me his um, credentials. His, his, um, he showed me his pass. He was able to show me a website where, where, where he'd been mentioned. He showed a photograph and what have you. And he said, look, this is it. He said, this is it. They're saying the kids are really passionate about this stuff. So good on them. Let them do it. Yeah. And then you read a story yesterday in the Sunday Telegraph, which I didn't get into on Sunday Morning Melodies only because it's a music show and I don't like to do an awful lot of news on that programme. But it was about Nazi civil servants in the Sunday Telegraph. And the story reads, gender-critical civil servants. Now, gender-critical, these are civil servants who don't buy into queer theory. These are civil servants who believe that a woman cannot, in fact, have a penis, right? So gender-critical civil servants were compared to Nazis and the far right by fellow officials in a meeting discussing diversity. You see, what happens at the BBC is completely linked to this. Members of the civil service group SEEN, S-E-E-N, which stands for Sex, Equality and Equity Network. They were targeted for their views on women's rights, with one civil servant accusing the group of wanting to destroy that's a quote, the LGBT community. Now, Seen believes that biological sex is binary and immutable and that biological sex must not be conflated with or replaced by the concepts of gender or gender identity. It is the first Whitehall group set up to represent gender-critical staff. So I would agree with Seen. I think you would agree with Seen. Biolo biological sex is binary and immutable and that it must not be conflated with or replaced by the concepts of gender or gender identity. But they were called Nazis in a, in a meeting, these people. And this is what's happening, you see. This is what's going on. And this is why we're not entirely surprised at what our friend from the BBC told us. And by the way, you must treat that with the relevant scepticism because that is hearsay, right? I'm giving you something from a third party. Um, I'm repeating or relaying to you something a third party uh, told me. So you don't have to believe that. Not that I would make anything like that up. If I'm going to make stuff up, it's going to be far more exciting. But you've got to treat it with the relevant amount of scepticism, as I did. 
So Nazis. Right, so Helen Joyce from Sex Matters was speaking to Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio about this today. So this is some excellent investigative reporting by The Telegraph that did a bunch of FOIs and then followed Free, up with Freedom people. of information requests. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And so they found that all over Whitehall, all through the civil service, there are these uh, networks, LGBTQIA++ networks or whatever they like to call themselves, and they are absolutely embedded and senior people in various departments are organising training through HR that tells people in straightforward words that any woman who says that a man can't be a woman is a Nazi, a bigot, a racist, an anti-Semite. And they actually use those words? Well, they've used Nazi in training. I mean, that one's been captured and the Telegraph has confirmed that one. I mean, I've been called all of those things for just saying that men can't be women. So I mean, that's just I mean, that's just what happens on social media. But but if that happens in your workplace, so so we know that someone I know what happens in people's workplaces. So someone could be disciplined. Someone could be disciplined for refusing to sort of play along with the idea that a a man can become a woman or a woman become a man, even if you're not, you know, we know Maya Forstatter, you know, your your colleague at Sex Matters who ended up going to tribunals, losing her job uh, because of just a tweet. That she wrote. But this is happening to people in Whitehall, in in the yes. government, where yes. yes, have we not had a prime minister and and a, um, a, a home secretary and others who have said quite categorically, and and equalities minister said categorically that, that that they don't sign up to any of this stuff. I mean, this has happened after 13 years of a Conservative-led government. So they don't have control of their departments, I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Patrick says, by the sound of it, Richie, you've got yourself a kosher BBC whistleblower, he says. Thank you, Patrick. It isn't groundbreaking stuff, Patrick, you know, but thank you. It's not groundbreaking. It's just very, very interesting and very sad, really, because I do not blame these young people and I'm not trying to paint myself as a as a nice guy, right? I'm not. But um, I'm beginning to understand this is far deeper than just a bunch of spiteful kids who want to shut down people they disagree with. It's a bit more uh, than that. Um, William says, I wonder if this stems from the uni societies rather than the students themselves. It might well do. Jenny says, well, we can't have people misgendering hedgehogs, can we? Doesn't surprise me. In all tyrannies, the official view is the only one. Uh, Faisal, I'll read your comment out a bit later on. We're going to talk about Russell Brand in a moment. Uh, Lovely to be chatting with you today. Keep these messages coming in. Alexandra says, I think it's not surprising that the BBC, being the mouthpiece for the government, avoids inviting people who might have opposing views. Isabel says these guests who are cancelled after research show that at some point in their life they might have had an opinion deemed unsavoury, do they then get added on a little black book? In other words, does the research team keep an official record of these individuals to ensure they never get invited? Again, that's a good question. I asked him that, but he couldn't tell me. And he, he said it was probably unlikely because even... The, well, maybe, maybe it is likely. I don't know, but I might imagine they they might be, you know, concerned about leaving a paper trail. Maybe I don't know. It's a good question, though. It would be nice to know. Uh, hi to Baird, who says, um, "I'm not surprised at all." Says Baird to hear this. James says, "No surprise to me. It's the Beeb. I would expect them to do this, but it's not coming from management, isn't it? Interesting." Ian says, uh, thank you for that, Ian. Hi to Amanda Smith, who says, Richie, would you consider doing a weekly mundane news slot? 
We did that once, didn't we, for a giggle. She says, you read recently, uh, you read outpouring news from listeners. Kent Online ran a story today telling how a shoplifter threw a leg of lamb at a member of the supermarket staff having been caught stealing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, let's talk about this. 20 minutes past the hour. Lots to talk. It's nice to be flying solo today. It's been quite a while since I've done this. Just chatting with you, you and me. Again, it's because of the madness of today and having that meeting that I haven't had much uh, chance to put together guests. But I've got a lot of really interesting guests coming up for you through the rest of the week. But I love these solo shows because I get to uh, opine, don't I? A little bit. But keep these uh, comments coming in, whether you agree or disagree. So, this wokeism then... Um, or the agenda to destroy those with the wrong ideas or opinions, or even disappear them, um, becoming acceptable to do so, whether surreptitiously, surreptitiously, or whether out in the open. Right, so that moves us on to, neatly to Ofcom and the online safety bill. So I grabbed a story from the Times newspaper this morning, I placed it on my own website, and quite a few of you have been reading it, which is good. Uh, The Times is a subscription newspaper. It is. I don't know how much it costs the programme each month for the Times. I think it's £25 a month, I think. Which is a damn sight cheaper than if I was to buy the Times, the, the print edition, every day. I think it would be over 60 quid a month. So there you are. Anyway, I save money for the Richie Allen Show listeners. Right. Um, Rumble, which is a free speech video hosting website, which I had a brief dalliance with when I briefly went on video for a week or two uh, a few weeks ago and I didn't like it. Fair enough, right. Um, the headline in the Times said, it could be banned in the UK under new online safety laws, according to the Times newspaper. A video sharing platform in North America, Rumble, has become home to Russell Brand and other figures with extreme views, including Andrew Tate and Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist. I'm reading from the article, right? It also hosts extreme videos on race and anti-Semitism as that mainstream platforms such as YouTube have made more of an effort to take down Rumble has been thrust into the spotlight after Brand used it to declare his innocence of sexual assault claims. Under the online safety bill, which is due to become law next month, Rumble will be regulated by Ofcom because it is accessible in the UK. It's got to get royal assent, dear listener. It has passed both houses of Parliament. It's now waiting for Charlie to sign off on it and then it becomes law. Okay, back to the article. Brand has recognised the impact the new law could have. In a statement on Friday, he said, quote, the British government has asked big tech platforms to censor our online content. This bill is a piece of UK legislation that grants sweeping surveillance and censorship powers. Now, under the new law, Rumble will have to prevent children from seeing porn and material that promotes self-harm, suicide or eating disorders, violent content and material harmful to health such as vaccine misinformation, ding, 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 because that's what it's all about dear listener, um, violent content and material harmful to health such as vaccine misinfo will also have to be kept from children. Yes. Isn't it funny? Reading this Times article is like listening to monologues on this programme going back four or five years. Because I know I bored the living bejesus out of you. Ha, bejeepers, I bored the living bejesus out of myself. 
predicting this is where we were going. And I predicted it down to the letter. And I kept saying to you, within the next year or two, dear listener. And I was wrong. It didn't happen within the next year or two. Then we had the COVID nonsense. Now it's here. Ofcom says the Times will draw up new guidelines on violence against women and girls that will have to be adhered to. Rumble will also have to take down material that is illegal, such as videos that incite violence or race hate. Yeah. And the article goes on to say these obligations will be hard for Rumble's management to stomach, according to Lord Allen of Hallam, a former Facebook executive who has advised on the online safety bill. You can't get out of this by saying, I'm a crazy American platform, that's not okay, and then somehow you get a free pass. They don't get a free pass, he said, as their whole philosophy is freedom of expression, a kind of screw you. So when they get a letter from Ofcom saying, here are all the things you're going to have to do, it seems to me the most likely reaction is going to be, they're going to say, well, we won't operate in the UK anymore. So your man, Lord Allen of Hallam, is delighted that Rumble will be told by Ofcom to remove material deemed to be harmful to certain groups of people. Material that is legal... Because I'll tell you something, dear listener, just in case you forget, it is wholly, it is entirely legal to express an opinion about a vaccine. It's absolutely legitimate to say, I do not believe these vaccines are safe. In fact, I believe they might have caused great harm to date. And I believe they will continue to cause great harm if the suspension of the rollout doesn't happen immediately. You could say that. It is absolutely legal. They don't want you saying it online, though. Or somebody might read it. Right? So, legal, but harmful. And they will compel companies like Rumble. And it isn't just Rumble. The headline is Rumble. Because it is the Sunday Times that has done the expose of Russell Brand's sexual transgressions, right? You might say alleged. Fair enough. Alleged. But I, I, I think he's got... A lot to answer for there, that's just my opinion, but yet guilty until proven innocent. What I will not have, because there's no evidence of it, is that Brand is being silenced because he represents any threat to the establishment. This isn't about Brand. I reckon Brand has probably been a naughty boy. That's just an opinion. I don't have any hard evidence. We do have the audio from the Los Angeles office where he admits on air that he followed a woman into a toilet told her he was going to screw her and then exposed himself to her. Now, I've never been a tough guy, let alone a telephone tough guy, but if I found out that a man followed my missus, El Frago, into a toilet, told her he was going to do something to her and exposed himself to her, I would murder him. But of course, I wouldn't literally murder him. I would beat the granny out of him. I would beat the living daylights out of him, right? So so he's on tape. So look, there Brand is problematic, and I never liked him anyway, so you can call me biased. So I reckon what might be happening here is, this has been a desired outcome for some time. The online safety bill. And I reckon there's been a bit of totting up when it comes to old Russell Brand. A little bit of totting up, a little bit of storage. For the right time. And now is the right time. 
Okay, so yes, it might be about censorship, but that doesn't mean that it, it's not about the sexual predilections of Russell Brand. I would ask you to keep an open mind, and I would promise you to keep an open mind too, because yes, the possibility does remain that Brand is being stitched up. Of course, it's a possibility. I don't believe it, but it is a possibility. Please share your thoughts with me via the usual ways. But this is what is meant to be. This is the destruction of the genuine independent media. Don't believe for a minute that Russell Brand was presenting alternative um, media. He was not. He was on YouTube for years until two weeks ago saying things that other people were losing their platforms for saying. Why is that? Please help me out. And don't give me some trite. Don't give me some bland answer. Give me a real answer. Why was Russell Brand allowed to gallivant across YouTube and make a million pounds a year asking questions about vaccines and lockdowns using four-syllable words when two-syllable words would suffice, you know? Up his own arse. Yeah. Why could he do that while others got absolutely destroyed and censored? You help me out with that. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But this might be a case of... Now's the time to use the dirt we've gotten on Russell. Tie it in with the online safety bill. Let's go after Rumble. And it isn't Rumble. It's any other platform. BitChute as well. You've never seen anything like it. And some of our listeners, dear listener, I'm speaking to you, but some of our listeners, they don't know what is coming in the next 6 to 12 months. They are coming after this programme. They are coming after other programmes you like. They will come after those who stream us. I swear they will. And I've been saying it for five, six years. And you said, pull the other one, Bolly, it hasn't happened yet. They will go to streaming companies and say, you shouldn't stream the Richie Allen show. Because harmful content is manifesting on that programme on a daily basis. It ain't good enough. You won't be able to operate in the United Kingdom if you don't stop streaming that programme. This is where it is going. Am I absolutely terrified? I am. I am, to be honest, and if you've listened to me long enough, you will, you will know that I do not do fear porn. Most of the time, these monologues are humorous. We have a bit of a giggle. We take the piss out of one or two people, and we, we, we sit back and, and, and amaze. We are amazed at the madness of it all. But I am shitting myself, because it's coming. It's coming. As soon as Juggiers signs on the dotted line, online safety becomes law, and everybody is fair game. Everybody. Regardless of whether you have a platform like this one, you could be just some bloke tweeting stuff out. You might have 20,000 Twitter followers. No small beans. Can't have that. Elon, take that bastard down. He's telling lies about vaccines or you'll be fined X amount of money and you won't be allowed to operate in the United Kingdom. And if you believe that Elon Musk is some zealous defender of free speech, think again. Elon Musk is only interested in Elon Musk and Elon Musk's bank balance and making money on Twitter. So this is where it's heading. Your thoughts, please, to the usual, to the usual places. The Richie Allen Show app, please, or richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live then. Yeah. I love these solo programs. Did I say that already? I'm prone to repeating myself sometimes. If I sound a bit manic, it's because I took a quaalude earlier. And then I took some speed and some oxycontin. Gloria Estefan. Even though I was a rock fan, 
in the 1980s. I had no shame whatsoever when it came to buying Smash Hits magazine every week. I used to buy Smash Hits magazine. I did, honestly. And I would take out posters of sexy 80s female singers like like Gloria Estefan and I would I would sellotape them to my wall. I had no shame whatsoever. You couldn't embarrass me. I, I'm, I'm actually thinking, who did I have on the wall? So I had, obviously, Gloria Estefan. I had Tiffany. I think we're alone now. Absolutely. And could have been. Yeah, yeah. I had Tiffany on there. I had Carol Decker from Tapau because I was partial to a redhead. Yeah. And that's about it, really. No, no, no. Kim Wilde. Oh, definitely Kim Wilde. Marty's daughter. I definitely had a bit of Kim Wilde on there as well. Don't start bombarding me. <laughs> I don't want to know, you fiends who you adorned your walls with. Listen, David says, do you mean to say, Richie, if I'm waiting for the one show to have Nick Collarstrom on to talk about gardening and planting by the moon, I better not hold my breath. Brilliant. That's it. That's it. I was wondering. I always wondered why Nick Collarstrom and Mark Windows were never on the one show on the BBC. Thank you. But William comes back to say he's at university at the moment, he is, and most students don't seem to care about very much, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that as well. Don't seem to be. Funny enough, there were some young-ish... Well, there were some teenagers on Good Morning Britain today. They were there in their uniforms, and they were there to tell Richard Madeley about why they feel so anxious lately. And they were articulate. They were lovely young kids, a young boy and a young girl, 13 or 14. And they spoke about feeling anxious, feeling unbalanced, feeling a bit upset. And you might have to set up, Richie. They, they were speaking from the heart and they explained why. And you can guess why these children told Richard Madeley the inspiration for Partridge. Why did they tell Madeley they feel anxious? Because of the things they're hearing and seeing in the news. Especially, now they didn't say this, they did not say this, but we might add to that, especially after what has happened to them in the last three years. No wonder they're anxious. It's, 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 it's evil, isn't it? My, my pal in Connemara would say it's evil. It's unparalleled, this evil. Kids are far more anxious than ever before. They're worried. Their stomachs are all knotted up. You know, they're in the car, going to school, Radio 4, Radio 5. Talk TV, it's all horrible stuff. You know, men saying they're women, riots, uh, you know, outside of uh, asylum hotels and, you know, talk about climate crisis. It's destroying the minds of children. It must be. And I speak as no expert whatsoever. None. You know, Faisal says on the contrary or contraire, waiting 10 to 15 years to make allegations against Brand makes it difficult to prosecute him. When asked to ask why, not a single person made any allegation at the time. But Faisal, you know that is not true. You know that is not true. Allegations were made to BBC producers about him. Um, a woman in Los Angeles went to the police and handed over her clothes. You know, it has been reported in the news, not that we believe the news, that allegations of sexual assault or rape, um, there's a 2% conviction rate from the time the allegation is made. There's something wrong there. 
in my opinion. Millie says, in her opinion, I reckon Brand will come out all good. He's taking a hit for the system, but will be rewarded later in time, says Millie. Thank you for that, Millie. Let's read some more of your messages. You're sending them in at the speed of light. Thank you. Darren says, hang on, I missed out one or two there. Karen asks, is it organic, Richie, if these bookers are selectively engaging through a series, excuse me, sorry, is it organic, Richie, if the bookers and the researchers are selectively employed through a series of interviews? Perhaps the BBC only employs people who have the desired character traits to act like that. Good point, Karen. I, I, I can't say yay or nay. But Mike seemed to think it, it, it just happens because of what's going on more widely on social media because 20-somethings, I don't know the exact percentage, but 20-somethings in the workplace, in an office environment, I mean, they're just using Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, aren't they? They just are. You can't imagine too many would not be using it. So this cancel culture, this paradigm, this is kind of seeping into them. It's osmosis, isn't it? And they see this happening. And to them it becomes not only normal but, but righteous. It's the right thing to do. This must be happening to people because it is right. Now I could be talking monumental bollocks. It wouldn't be the first time either. Darren says it appears to be what we've seen too often. Manipulating the responses to the said narrative being discussed at the time. So that it appears that opening the can of worms uh, is being prevented from being open to possibly... Ex Listen, guys, you've got to read out loud the message before you send it to me. I can't read that, Darren. Please don't be offended. Uh, you've, um, you're a great contributor, Darren, but this is just gobbledygook. Before you press send, read it out loud. And if you can't read it, I won't be able to read it either. I'm in great form, by the way. I mentioned yesterday on the Sunday show, we've had marvellous news with respect to our German Shepherd puppy, Bobby Jean. Um, she's got a soft tissue injury, there is no elbow dysplasia, even though they were convinced there probably would be. And it's all hunky-dory and we're relieved. And thank you for caring enough to send me a message. I appreciate it. And Nelly says, Richie, it is groundbreaking that a BBC employee has approached you. It may encourage more to do the same. I don't think it's groundbreaking. Let's give a mention to Aidan. By the way, a lovely former BBC employee these days is working with Iconic. Aidan did blow the whistle a bit while he was at the BBC a few years ago. He sent me an internal circular sent to all producers and researchers. Do you, rem do you remember this? It was a bit of whistleblowing by, by Aidan. And the circular basically said, when talking about climate change on BBC programmes in the future, do not, do not feel in any way obliged to provide the audience with any balance. The science is settled. We're all going to die. The planet is burning. So do not get the other side. And Aidan sent that to me. And we talked about it on the Richie Allen show. And it ended up in The Guardian. So that was whistleblowing. I'm not sure about Mike's whistleblowing. We're not surprised by this. It's concerning, obviously, but we're not surprised by it, you know. Thank you. Uh, Paulie says, when you talk about this triumphalism amongst the woke younger people, 
There was a good example of this last year. A well-known South African director was accused of domestic abuse and, like Russell Brand, was cancelled in the court of public opinion the day after these accusations came to light. His new film was shot down before commencing filming and a couple of his older films, due out on a boutique Blu-ray label, were cancelled too. One of the young hipsters who worked for the company posted on Twitter that, quote, the releases are as cancelled as he is, end quote, without any of these accusations coming to court. And the director was never interviewed by the police. Yes, Paulie, this is not good. I, I agree with you. You'll get, yeah. Uh, uh, Screech, who says, Richard, you cannot misgender a hedgehog as they are all male because they have pricks well said. David says the Times has reported that Rumble and Brand might be shut down under the online safety bill, which begs the question: Was Brand, <coughs> excuse me, knowingly or unknowingly a deep state shill all along to bring about this end? I don't know, David. I do not know. I took Cookie, who says a seventeen-year-old friend, um, a girl, a seventeen-year-old girlfriend of my friend died of a heart attack yesterday, sadly took the jab, says Cookie. And you will suspect the jab is at play there, but of course you'll never know. Hi to Grace Anne. Hi Grace Anne. If the blooming message will open. Richie, you're 100% right. This is one of the reasons I haven't signed up to any other platforms. It's coming to everything. We might as well face it, says Grace Anne. Look, you are bombarding me with messages. I love that. I have had this evening, let me tell you, I've had 119 messages since 5 o'clock. I can't read them all out. Please forgive me. I've got to move move on and talk about something else before we run out of time. I know it's not near seven o'clock yet, but we could run out of time. All righty. Listen, just, this might be something, it might be nothing. Three o'clock, the news. Don't listen to the actual news headlines. Listen to what the presenter says. Listen carefully. Oh, Jesus. You've lifted the wrong fader again, Baldy. I have indeed. You should never take quaaludes followed by Oxycontin before going on air, dear listener. It's not funny. I'll pay for it later on. Listen to BBC News 24 at 3pm today. Although air quality... Ah! That's not it either. Okay. Let's try third time's a charm, they say. BBC News 24, 3pm this afternoon. And this is the right clip. Listen to the language, not the actual headlines. Live from London, this is BBC News. This is BBC News, right? Keep that in mind. The British Army has stood down from supporting the Metropolitan Police after hundreds of officers stepped back from firearms duties when a colleague was charged with murder. Isn't that interesting, that story, by the way? Sorry to interject there, that the firearms officers were so annoyed at one of their own being charged with murder that they handed in their guns. And the army was about to be drafted in to replace firearms officers on the streets of London. In America, they have a law called posse comitatus, which says the military can never be used to police the public, can never be used to execute the duties of police officers. But you and I suspect that eventually the army, when, 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 when robo-drones run by artificial intelligence programs are dropping bombs overseas and you you no longer need... Typhoon jets, you no longer need Harrier jets, right? You no longer need an army. 
So out there, the drones, out there droning people to smithereens. What will we do with the army? We'll get them to police people. As the agenda becomes ever more apparent, maybe. Or again, maybe I'm talking bollocks. So that was interesting. He said, BBC News, he said. Scenes of panic and chaos as thousands of people leave Nagorno-Karabakh for Armenia following Azerbaijan's seizure of the disputed territory. The England and Wales Cricket Board lays out plans to address institutional racism, sexism and classism after a damning report into the sport. Ukraine claims as many as 34 Russian officers were killed in last week's missile strike on the Black Sea Naval Headquarters in occupied Crimea, among them the Black Sea Fleet Commander. And the show might be about to go on. US screenwriters reach a tentative deal with studio bosses, which could end the five-month strike. Wait for it. Hello and welcome to Verified Live. The what did he just say there? Mariana Spring fingerprints all over the BBC output. Hello and welcome to Verified Live. The British Army has... Verified Live. This is the buzzword. I, 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 I spoke briefly with your man, Mike, this morning about this BBC Verify. Verify is everywhere at the moment. This is the BBC... This is the BBC anointing itself as the Ministry of Truth. He started off by saying, this is BBC News. He didn't say three o'clock, but he said, this is BBC News. And then he concludes the headlines before getting into the stories in depth by saying, welcome to Verified Live. Verified. You can trust the BBC. If we tell you something, you can take it to the bank. You can rubber stamp it. You can... Double and triple stamp it. No erases. If we tell you this is the truth, you've got to take it as fact because this is the truth. It's a ministry of truth, imagine. And if you think back to what Mike told me, if the BBC is staffed increasingly by young men and women who might disinvite you from a programme about wild birds or the world's great train journeys because they don't like what you have to say, right? We're getting people in with right think, not with wrong think, think even. And at the same time, the BBC is declaring itself to be verified. We're verified. This is verified live on the BBC. Something or nothing, it's up to you. 12 minutes to the top of the hour. Now, in Ireland, they're very concerned with air quality. Are they really? I would imagine that the quality of air in Ireland is pretty Decent. I couldn't imagine Ireland having any issue with pollution or with air pollution. Anyway, listen to Morning Ireland today. We'll talk a little bit about climate change just for a couple of minutes. Although air quality in Ireland is generally good, the country still has a way to go if it's to meet standards set down by the World Health Organisation. That's according to a report published this morning by the Environmental Protection Agency. It has been estimated that poor air quality is responsible for around 1,300 premature deaths deaths every year. Pat Byrne, who's a programme manager with the EPA, is with us. Good morning. Good morning. We've spoken before about there being a particular problem with air quality in towns. Is that still the case? Yeah, so we're actually seeing a very similar picture to previous years where there are these short-term increases in particulate matter, which is really fine particulates, dust. Fine particulates. Dust in the air. And a lot of that is coming from solid fuel burning. So domestic... Dust in the air. 
from solid fuel burning. He said a lot of it. Now, dear listener, I don't have a producer. I don't have a researcher. Um, in towns, I cannot imagine these days that as many people are using wood log burners or are using coal fires as yesteryear. I'm interested in this. He's saying particulates are dust discovered in the air and we're putting it down to people burning things in their homes. Mm. It's dust in the air and a lot of that is coming from solid fuel burning, so domestic solid fuel burning. And again, where we're seeing that is in, I suppose, our smaller towns where there probably isn't the same opportunity to move to gas uh, as, a, as a heat source. Fair enough. So he's answered my question. So in some smaller towns, they're not yet on the grid or they're not hooked up to the gas the natural gas. Ironically, they don't want anybody on the gas, and that's the same in Ireland as much as it is here in the UK. But smaller towns, so they are using the wood burners and they're putting a bit of coal in. Not any turf now. Not any turf because that's been banned. For our homes. So in larger areas then, in larger urban areas, is it fair to say that the traffic is more of an issue? Yeah, so I love it. Burning coal and burning wood and traffic. I suppose the second pollutant that we're seeing is nitrogen dioxide. And again, where we're seeing that elevated is more in the city centres, particularly in Dublin. And again, that is largely from road traffic. Largely from road traffic. There's Anya or Mary. I can't keep up with these old biddies who present for Morning Ireland, you misogynistic old faker. Um, what has she got to say to that? Ireland does meet EU guidelines on air quality, but not those set down by the World Health Organisation. And that's what I wanted you to hear. So Ireland abides by, adheres to, because it has to, because Ireland is a fiefdom of Brussels. Ireland ceased to be a sovereign, independent nation in many, 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 many years ago. Um, so it adheres to Brussels dictated or ordered um, air quality standards, but not the World Health Organization, says the presenter. And this is very interesting, my friend. Those set down by the World Health Organization. What's the difference? Okay, so the the EU regulations at the moment have been set for the last almost 20 years. And They're out of date then. We're actually compliant with them for most of the time. Uh, the World Health Organization released new guidelines in 2021 and they're very much health-based guidelines. So they're for our, our, our health. They're for our health. And I suppose in... The, the Irish Clean Air Strategy, it sets an ambition to move towards those targets in 2026, 2030. 2030, ding, 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 ding. And ultimately 2040. And also then at an EU level, Europe is looking at updating the regulations that we're compliant with at the moment. OK, so they may become more stringent. Yes, that's our expectation. Well, of course, they'll become more stringent, Mary or Anya, whatever your bloody name is. Do you feel like there's a pincer movement going on, dear listener? And again, can I refer to my earlier remarks? And I promise I, I will not continue to repeat myself. I won't say this again for at least three weeks. But I don't do the fear porn. But there's a pincer movement. Armies love pincer movements, don't they? And it feels sometimes like it's closing in from all angles. This, this abject tyranny. This totalitarian stampede. Listen to that bullshit, like... It's going to become more stringent, of course it is. And that would be in line with what Ireland has set out for itself in its own clean air strategy. What a liar. That would be in line with what Ireland set out for itself in its own clean air strategy.
clean air strategy. That's just bullshit. If she, if she was even half the presenter that you are, dear listener, she would say to him, but it doesn't matter what clean air strategy you might imagine, Pat, from the EPA that you came up with, that you dreamt up, because you just admitted earlier on you've been following Brussels guidelines for 20 fucking years, Pat. And now you're going to let the World Health Organization dictate Ireland's clean air policy. Where does this go? So what would we have to do then to, to, to meet the WHO guidelines? Yeah, so... as Mass suicide. Mass suicide. Harry Curry. Harry Curry. I can never pronounce that. Every Irish person just fucking kill themselves for the planet. As, as we say, they will be cha- really challenging to achieve and will put more pressure on us to actually really tighten up on what type of fuels we are using. What sort of pressure there, Pat, now? I would have said if I was the presenter. But, um, th- th- yeah... Yeah. To actually really tighten up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back there now. Let's, what are we going to do? They will be cha- really challenging to achieve. and we'll We're going to be told by the World Health Organization what to do regarding our clean air strategy. It's going to be really challenging to achieve. It'll put more pressure on us to actually really tighten up on what type of fuels we are using. They'll put pressure on us. Tell us what fuels we can and can't use. You'd love to be interviewing Pat from the EPA and say, Pat, why don't you just tell him to fuck off? I mean, you can't do that, Pat. You know, men and women died for the independence of this country. Do you know that, Pat? Do you know any of their names? You know, they fought off the Normans. They fought off the Vikings. They fought off the Brits. They really did. They bled for it. Like, you know, they had to say mass in secret under under penalty of execution. These were hardy fucking bastards, Pat. Like, why don't you tell the World Health Organization to take a running jump when they say you've got to do this and you've got to do that? But, of course, Pat is as captured as Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin. And obviously a move, obviously if we can move away from solid fuel, that's preferential. Um, and also actually retrofitting houses, improving the insulation, less fuel. It's the same bullshit, isn't it? We, 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 we talked a lot about lockstep during the scandemic lockstep. We talked about the measures, the lockdown measures and all of that. It was all the same everywhere at the same time. It's the same with this climate bollocks. Everything is happening in tandem around the world, every country, except for obviously China and possibly Russia and certainly North Korea. But um, you know where this goes, listen to Pat. Fuel needed. So there's, there's a lot of common measures here that are actually beneficial for air pollution, and but also for climate change for aspects as well. climate change. The prize, the Well, that's the surprise, you see. Everything is climate change. All eggs will be in that basket, I believe. And the Labour Party, interestingly enough, in its uh, manifesto, whenever it is published, whenever they bring forth a manifesto for next year's election, if it takes... Well, it will be next year now, won't it, 2024? Labour will promise that it will cancel Rishi Sunak's plans. It will reverse his decision to delay phasing out gas boilers and delay the ending of production of diesel and petrol cars by five years. Sunak said we'll move that plan from 2030 to 2035. Labour says we'll bring it back to 2030, but they went further and will go further in the manifesto whenever it comes out. Labour will say that net zero, rushing to it, is the answer to the cost of living crisis. We know that the way to deal with the cost of living crisis is go all in on net zero, on changing the way we live. Because that is going to present new 
entrepreneurial opportunities and investment and it'll give lots of new jobs that's what they're saying net zero is the answer to cost of living crisis that's the labor party yeah mad asher be jesus king of says thank you king of for the nice words really appreciate mel says my friend's local primary school sent this out last week about lockdowns air pollution lockdown procedures are important and would be used in response to an internal or external incident in much the same way as we evacuate the building in the event of fire, we evacuate for pupil and staff safety in other instances. We could respond to a threat to the safety of children and uh, to any number of situations, including dangerous or wild animals on the grounds, a reported incident or disturbance in the community, an intruder on site, the potential of an intruder on site, a warning being received regarding a local risk of air pollution from smoke, etc. Wow. School telling parents we might evacuate children if we think the air outside is less breathable because of some fire or local air pollution outbreak or something. Yes, of course. Of course. Hi to Kev. It's all about taxing the bejesus out of folks, says Tez. I don't know if you heard about Loch Ney. Apparently it's on its ass. I did. I saw this last week on the BBC. Loch Ney is covered in toxic blue-green algae. So Kev says, so water charges are probably in the pipeline for the north since Loch Ney supplies 40-something percent of the drinking water. And yes, Richie, says Kevin, they're blaming the algae or algae on climate. Of course they are. Of course they are. Climate change. Tony's in Rotherham, Richie on the Verified Live. I remember first hearing, you're now up to date a few years ago after the news. That's right, Tony. Oftentimes, a newscaster or reader would conclude a bulletin, shuffling the papers and saying, you're now up to date. Well done, Tony. Well remembered. Which then, as if by magic, spread all over the media. Of course, to most people, that would have passed them by. But my internal alarm bells went off thinking, are we all now effing programmable robots? Yet your now up-to-date has been replaced by BBC Verified Live. Paula asks, Richie, I wonder, has the air pollution got anything to do with the skies being sprayed day and night then? The particles are magnetic too, says uh, uh, Paula. Thank you, Paula. And Seamus Connolly says, people handing in their guns, the, the, the armed police, that looks staged to me. Either the legal system gets tweaked to accommodate leniency for shooting the great unwashed or shooting Joe Public, or Joe Public takes its ire out on the police and that it brings their role up for scrutiny and their general worth. Hence, should we replace them with Robocop? The Robocop, which cannot make the decision of handing the firearms back, we might then feel safer knowing Robocop is armed and ready to strike. Both of these things suit the agenda. Good stuff. Um, Seamus, absolutely. Hi to Heather, who says, Richie, I might have missed you covering this, but did you see that Mariana Spring was caught lying on her CV? I did. I did notice that. Uh, she applied to work for a news agency in Russia didn't she? And on the application, she implied heavily that she had worked with a BBC News anchor or producer and had, had she had 
made quite a bit of this. But it turned out that she hadn't worked with the, the woman involved at all. Yes. Yes, I suppose you've got to be whiter than white heather if you're going to work in BBC Verify or become the BBC's disinformation correspondent. No doubt about that. Hi to Christina, says Richie, here on the northwest, local beaches and river. Uh, they've got green algae. I haven't looked into it, but dogs have died after swimming in rivers like the Ban. I don't know what this phenomenon is, says Christine. Thank you, Christine. It's coming up for one and a half minutes past the hour. It's time for a tune. When we come back, more to talk about and more of your messages. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, and multiple other platforms. Yeah, multiple platforms. Spin Doctors. The Spin Doctors. I suppose that's a Freudian slip. Yeah, the Spin Doctors on the Richie Allen Show. Two princes from an album called Pocketful of Kryptonite. I'm guessing, I shouldn't guess, 92, I'd say 92. I've got the tape of it. I've got the tape of it. The cassette. Yeah. Admittedly, I bought it fairly recently from Sifters Records and Tapes in Burnage. Yeah, I saw it on sale for a pound. Five and a half minutes past the hour. Monday's programme, me, Richie Allen. The BBC reporting in the last 12 minutes that Russell Brand... The headline is, police receive further allegations against comedian. Comedian is stretching it, I think. Uh, The Metropolitan Police says it will investigate fresh allegations of non-recent sexual offences following media reports about comedian Russell Brand. Uh, The force has received a number of allegations of offences in London and elsewhere in the country, but says no arrests have been made. It follows a joint investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times and Channel 4's dispatches in which four women accused Brand of sexual assaults and rape. Brand has denied the claims. Detective Superintendent Andy Furphy. 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 That's like Ellis Island, New York. That's like some bloke called Murphy came to the UK in 1872 and the lazy bastard taking his name made an absolute balls of it. Andy Furphy. Have you ever heard a surname? Furphy. F-U-R-P. It must be Murphy. Yeah, Ellis Island happening in London. Um, From the Met's Central Specialist Crime Command said, we continue, this is a quote, we continue to encourage anyone who believes they may have been a victim of a sexual offence, no matter how long ago it was, to contact us. We understand it can feel like a difficult step to take and I want to reassure that we have a team of specialist officers available to advise and support. Yes, that's the latest. I'm saying nothing. I'm not editorialising. I'm just saying that is uh, what is happening. And uh, also breaking, US President Joseph Biden has applauded the news that there is a deal between the Hollywood writers and their bosses to end the writers' strike. So that I, I suppose he's happy about it because he can get back to watching Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or uh, I don't know. There's a few more as well. Let's um, just stay briefly with climate change. Gordon Brown, former prime, he was prime minister for a little bit longer than Liz Truss, but not for very long. Gordon Brown was on the telly today the ex-Prime Minister, to talk about climate change. And just in case you're wondering, dear listener, yes, he still has that particular tick. That particular tick. When he finishes a sentence, he unhinges his lower jaw. 
He's still got that tick. Why wouldn't he have dealt with that? I don't understand this. It's not difficult. I interviewed men and women many years ago who were afflicted by stammers, severe stammers, and they went to something called the Maguire Program. And it's miraculous, it changed their lives. They basically stopped stammering. How could Gordon Brown, with all the money and all the contacts, how could he not treat that tick he has lived with his entire adult life, where he finishes a sentence and he unhinges his lower jaw? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Look it up. Anyway, the um, Brown, yeah, he was on the BBC today talking about the need to tax. We need to tax the big polluters to give the money to the poor people in the South because our emissions is having a terrible impact on them and causing the floods and the typhoons and all of that. Here's BBC News 24. The former Prime Minister Gordon Brown has called for a global windfall levy on oil-producing companies to help poorer nations tackle climate change. Speaking ahead of the COP28 summit in Dubai in November, Mr Brown said the levy would help kickstart a wider agreement for a climate finance fund to support the global south this winter. We've got an explosive situation in the world today. We've got droughts, we've got floods. We've always had droughts and floods. I'm reading the King James Bible at the moment that a very good friend was kind enough to send to me. And I'm in the middle of the New Testament. Every other feckin' page there's a flood or a drought or a famine or frogs raining out of the sky and all sorts of mad stuff. Floods and droughts are not new, Gordon. We've got firestorms hitting the poorest countries in the world. And yet at the same time, we've got these unprecedented profits, uh, windfall profits that are being made by the petrostates and oil companies. Yeah, but when that's because you privatised all that shit years ago. Maggie and then John Major, and then your bum chum, Tony Blair. If you hadn't privatised all of that shit, all of that money that is now being enjoyed by the bosses of, of Shell and Exxon and other companies, you could be spending it on public services, Gordon. And the extent of it is that it is four trillion, four thousand billion in revenues in the last year. Imagine. Two and a half trillion of that a windfall money that is unearned, but money that should go to helping those very people that are suffering from the high energy prices and, of course, suffering from climate change as a result of historic emissions. Re suffering from climate change as a result of historic emissions. The only emissions are coming out of his arse. And, of course, the BBC presenter doesn't stop him and say, but Gordon, two trillion windfall, Gordon, think of what you could have done with all of that money if you didn't uh, do your part in allowing a few a handful of corporations take complete ownership of the world's oil and gas reserves, Gordon. You know, you know, forget the Gulf states, all that other oil and gas that you allowed, uh, that you privatised, you and your pals and the people who came before you. But of course the BBC presenter is as useless as an inflatable dartboard. And that's why I'm proposing that the chair of uh, the COP28, which is the United Arab Emirates, come forward with a proposal where they kickstart a new financing mechanism to deal with the mitigation and adaptation in the South. And they then ask, after they pay a windfall levy, I'm suggesting 25 billion, uh, they then ask the rest of the rich countries to guarantee finance so that we can get eventually to $1 trillion a year, which is what is necessary to deal with the developmental and the climate change needs of the global South. But, the former but, 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 but countries are broke. 
Gordon. Countries are broke because you and your mate Tony Blair and his mate Bill Gates, they convinced they convinced the United Kingdom, let's just talk about the United Kingdom, to borrow billions and billions of pounds from the Bank of England, money that doesn't really exist, and to pay people to stay at home when they when 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 the when the pandemic happened. It's maddening this, isn't it? Isn't it? So countries are broke, but you want them to, to commit billions of pounds in payments to poorer countries in the Southern Hemisphere and elsewhere to pay them back because of all the pollution that we put into the atmosphere that has caused climate change in their countries. And again, absent as any journalism here. Speaking on this issue today, a guy called Zach Polanski, who is the deputy leader of the Green Party, he was talking to Times Radio about what needs to be done. I think it's very clear that when you look at our emissions, we've stopped including uh, aviation and shipping, for instance, and actually we're outsourcing a lot of that to China. So the fact we're marking our own homework and we're still not on track for that 2050 net target shows that we actually need to be doing much more But I think the bigger point is this. This is an opportunity to grab the agenda, to say, actually, if you look at insulating homes, for instance, we need to insulate every single home in Britain that needs it. That would both reduce spills, reduce emissions and create good green jobs that could be unionised and in the public sector. We could be training people for those jobs. So this is giving people employment. Ultimately, tackling the climate emergency should be about creating uh, cleaner air. Climate emergency greener jobs, more community cohesion, tackling the gender pay gap, the ethnicity pay gap. Listen to this litany of bullshit. So he says, by tackling the climate emergency, he basically says you can solve every social ill. You can solve every problem in the country. And this is what the Labour Party is saying too, by the way. I mentioned earlier on, solve the climate emergency, get to net zero, and listen to what he says. This is giving people employment, ultimately. So you'll employ them. Ultimately. Tackling the climate emergency should be about creating uh, cleaner air, greener jobs, more community cohesion. Community cohesion. Tackling the gender pay gap, the ethnicity. The gender pay gap, the ethnicity what? Ethnicity pay gap. the dis- Right, so if you stop the planet warming up, you'll solve the ethnicity pay gap, the gender pay gap. I don't get any of this. And again, the presenter should be tearing this guy's... No, he should be ripping his arms off disability pay gap but actually what the oh yeah the disability pay gap prime minister is doing here is appealing to a very 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 narrow group of people who are essentially climate deniers or climate delayers climate deniers or climate delayers which one do you fall in which pigeonhole my friend do you find yourself sitting in are you a climate denier or a client climate delayer that's not going to win him an election in fact his polling is now the worst it's ever been you see the pattern don't you that, and again, it won't be news to you because I've definitely bored you to death about this too many times. But uh, the issue here, of course, is, is is that now it is apparent to people like Zach Polanski from the Green Party and Gordon Brown is that they can say whatever they like without any fear of being pulled up short, pulled up by the short and curlies by a presenter who will ask them to prove what it is they're saying. So they basically, it's like letting a child into a sweet shop, isn't it? And closing the door and locking the child in and saying, I'll pick you up later. Right? They'll, that, that, that's the paradigm. That's basically, that is the understanding now. These liars, I can go on air and say whatever I want. Climate emergency. 
I can say if we if we save the planet from from climate change, we will simultaneously end the disparity in pay for disabled people, for women, for God knows who else, and and any other nonsense you can talk, you can spout, and you know full well you will not be challenged or taken apart by the presenter. Yeah. Keep your messages coming in, please. It's richieallen.co.uk. The Richie Allen Show app can be downloaded via the website. No, it cannot. It can be downloaded via Google Play. It can be downloaded via the App Store. I'm Richie Allen. It's good to have you on the programme with me today. Let me do this. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Good afternoon, Sue. Sue says, now, now, Gatwick bosses impose limit on number of daily flights out of London airport for the whole week as coronavirus outbreak among air traffic control uh, staff sparks travel chaos for thousands of passengers. Again, Sue, I get you, but I'd ask you to read out loud before you press send, if you'd like me to read it. So I've given plenty of warnings. From now on, I'm just not going to read them, right? I've got to be able to read this stuff, dear listener. I don't have a producer who's rewriting this stuff. Something I would have done for my presenter years ago when emails came in. You've got to help me out here. Luke says, I've just been in Lidl. Other supermarkets are available. Pleasingly, there were five card-only machines sitting idle. Everyone else was waiting for a cashier to become available. Good news that folks were preferring to wait to pay by cash. Uh, using a cash machine or paying a cashier, says Luke. That is good news, I suppose, Luke. We learned last week that cash payments have increased somewhat in the last 12 months, haven't they? They were up on the previous 12 months, as far as I understand. Isabel came back to say that green algae is well known as a phenomenon in France, especially the region of Brittany, which has been experiencing green algal blooms for decades. It is suggested that it is down to the massive presence of fertilisers from intensive agriculture. Is that what they're blaming it on, Isabel? So it's another attack on the farmers, is it? Very interesting. Thank you. Let me just um, go back to that. When one walks on it, especially after high temperatures, a gas escapes. The gas is deadly to animals and to humans. Runners, dogs, horses, and much more frequently, uh, they can die because of this issue. It smells a lot like rotten eggs. It's an important and controversial uh, subject, she says, and a documentary has been released in France about this issue. It is called Les Algues Vertes. Les Algues Vertes, and she's included a link to this on my website, richieallen.co.uk. And Wayne says, Richie, you echoed my own thoughts. The best way to get to carbon neutral is to finish us all off. The Georgia Guidestones, says Wayne, now conveniently no more, um, making it easier to cry conspiracy theory. The Georgia Guidestones gave it to us straight, maintain a population of half a billion be not a cancer upon the earth. That's right, Wayne, that was inscribed on the Georgia Guidestones, wasn't it? Maintain a population of half a billion, be not a cancer upon the earth. In other words, save the planet, save it for ourselves. But, dearest listener, I've been playing this clip oft times, haven't I? I've been playing this clip from, from, from your woman. Um, I don't think I can find it now. The Green Party peer who says that getting to net zero is not good enough, it's getting to real zero. 
is what she said. But I don't think I can find the bloody clip now. At the last minute, no, I can't find it. There you go. I thought it was, um, in fact, permanently in the playout system. But it seems that it isn't. But yeah, we need to get to real zero, said a Green Party peer. Net zero is not good enough. We, get, we need to get to real zero. No emissions. Well, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist, but the only way to get to no emissions is to stop the inspiration and, yeah, stop people inspiring O2 and uh, expiring CO2, I would have imagined. Let's move on and talk about something else entirely. Now, Jenny Harries, I mentioned this on the Melody programme yesterday, is the boss of the UK Health Security Agency, and she gave an interview to the Sunday Telegraph. This woman was ever-present on our screens throughout 2020. Flanked. No, no, she wasn't flanked. She often flanked. She was one of two people flanking either Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock at the time. Now, the headline in the Sunday, Sunday Telegraph yesterday was Jenny Harry's interview will behave more like Sweden when the next pandemic hits. Is that right? Uh, what does she say? She says, quote, What we saw was Omicron and later waves of the pandemic, and even now, is that people are good at watching the data, and they will take action themselves, says Harry's. You can see it in footfall going down. People actually start to manage their own socialisation, and the waves of the virus flatten off and come down. People will manage what they do next time we have a pandemic. They will manage it by themselves, says Jenny Harris. What's going on, dear listener? Do you believe her? Well, Carl Hennigan, uh, professor of evidence-based medicine at Oxford University, he had plenty to say about this on Julia Hartley Brewer's talk radio show this morning. It was an extraordinary um, inter in the Telegraph yesterday by uh, Jenny Harris, which basically said... What now, just, ex- no, just explain who she is, because she was, a, she was a, a key figure in, in government policy tackling uh, you know, uh, uh, COVID and lockdowns and, and was stood at the podium at those press conferences with the Prime Minister at the time. Uh, and she's now, was it head of the Health Security Agency? Yeah, she's direct. She's head of the di- or director of the UK Health Security Agency. So when she speaks, I, I I hope she understands her words have a lot of gravity and a lot of importance. But remember, next week is the COVID inquiry setting up again. So I wonder if this is an interjection to yeah. start. But, but what did she history. say that was crucial? I'll give you the exact. What we saw with Omicron and later waves of the pandemic, and even now, is that people are good at watching the data and they will take action themselves, says Harris. You can see it in the footfall going down. People actually start to manage their own socialisation and the waves flatten off and come down. So next time, don't fall off your chair, Julia, we will be more like Sweden. Yay! Without the need for legislation. There you have the inquiry finding... Full stop, done. Yeah. But this we'll, is, no, but we'll be more like Sweden. So we'll follow British pandemic planning and World Health Organization pre-COVID yeah. pandemic planning. I think what the problem here is within the intervening years, under the pressure, our, our politicians panicked and under that panic brought in legislation that wasn't fit for purpose. No. Wasn't fit for purpose. He said the COVID inquiry restarts next week and maybe Harry's was getting horror retaliation in first, you know, by saying next time. Do you believe that, by the way? Do you believe that the UK Health Security Agency 
has decided that in the event of another pandemic arriving out of the blue, that they'll adopt the Swedish model and let people take responsibility for themselves. Do you believe that, my friend? I don't believe it. Call me a cynic, but I do not believe it. Let me know your thoughts, richieallen.co.uk or uh, download the app and send a, a message immediately via the app. Please do that. I'm going to take another tune. It's 24 minutes past the hour. It's me, your BBG, flying solo. Still, first time in a long time I've flown solo. We've been pretty guest-heavy of late. We will be guest-heavy this coming week. Lots of interesting people uh, on the programme this week. Here's a tune, back with more of your comments, and we'll talk a little bit about Lucy Let Be. Lucy Let Be. Yeah. When I think about Wet leg, your mum on the Richie Allen show. It's uh, 28 minutes past the hour. Thanks to Lucy for sending me a screen grab of something which is concerning. Um, and this is from the Belfast Royal Academy. This is to do with schools, right? And the Belfast Royal Academy has written to parents. Dear parent guardian, this is... Um, and by the way, parents have got till the 29th of the month, so Friday, this coming Friday, to, to book, right? I am writing to inform you that Advanced Medical Services, okay, so this is an external company, the school is bringing in Advanced Medical Services, right, will be coming to the Belfast Royal Academy to perform a comprehensive doctor-led cardiac screening service in November. This will be our first time working with the Belfast Royal Academy. It then goes on to wax lyrical about advanced medical services before going on to tell the parents of the youngsters cardiac screening is ultimately aimed at reducing the incidence of young sudden cardiac death or YSCD. Wow. International best practice recommends cardiac screening every two years for people involved in competitive sport. Please see Overleaf further information about the service. And it's being provided at a discounted rate of £79 per person. Now, listeners to this programme who are more reactive than this presenter, they will say, this is bollocks, they will say. It's not about an increase in the amount of... It's not about an increase in the rate of children dropping dead while playing sport because there wasn't any real increase in the rate of children dropping dead while playing sport before the COVID shots were rolled out in 2021. Well, they were rolled out at Christmas 2020, but then in 2021. Have we... Help me out here. If you want to be a researcher for the day, do we know what the uptake was in let's say, 13 to 19-year-olds, or in, so that's one group, 13 to 19, then you could say 18 to 25. Do we know the percentage? How many of the nation's 18 to 25-year-olds turned up to a to a clinic and had the clot shot, as some of you have dubbed it? What do you think? So thanks, Lucy, for sending me the screen grab. I, I completely understand your cynicism here. 
Yes, and you're not the first person to share this information with me. It's happening here in the UK as much as in Belfast. They want to get defibrillators in schools, don't they? What do you reckon? You know? Let me know. I'd like to know. Send me a message, richieallen.co.uk or uh, through the app. Very good. Very good. Mm. What do you reckon to that? The screening of children. Because it wasn't unheard of before the COVID thing for a youngster to die while exerting himself or herself physically. And then the autopsy would show up that there was a defect that hadn't been discovered, something congenital, something the kid may have been born with. But it was a rare thing, right? A very, very rare thing. Nowadays, of course, we are confronted every other day, if not every day, by a news story, and I'm speaking just for the UK alone, where somebody drops dead, somebody playing professional sport, at, at whatever level, it doesn't have to be elite level, or somebody playing amateur sport. And it's a difficult one, because I understand why listeners to programmes like this will, will jump straight in there with two feet, but I, I caution, I caution restraint, because I understand your suspicion. But you've got to imagine there are people grieving for the young person too. You've got to give them a little bit of space. Like I had a lot of emails about the young lady who died, the lady who played for Sheffield United. In fact, Sheffield United were on the, were on the TV, weren't they? Was it last night, was it? They lost 8-0 at home to Newcastle. Holy divine mother of Jesus. They lost 8-0 and there was a minute silence because the lady played for Sheffield United. So that's completely understandable, very respectful. But, um, you know, people are speculating, aren't they? So what do you think about schools and defibrillators and screening? And a part of me thinks, well, if the plan, and there are people listening to this programme and people who've come on this programme, who believe that there is a depopulation agenda and that it is unfolding in front of us, and if those people are right, and they might be right, why would they want to be screening people? And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say compartmentalisation, Richie. There will be decent people working in medicine and they will be perplexed by the amount of young people dropping stone dead, brown bread out of the blue. Perplexed. These might be nice people. They might not be aware that the jabs are causing harm. And they might want to, to put a stop to children dropping dead. And they might imagine that the reason why so many youngsters are dropping dead is because there has been an increase in this congenital... I mean, there were so many of these things, very few, but over the years we would hear a hole in the heart or, as I said, some, some defect that, that, that they were born with. So maybe there are good men and women and they're like, Jesus, we're hearing too much lately about people dying, so we better do something about it. So let's start screening for it and let's, let, let's get some defibrillators in schools. Do you want to hear a heartless bastard? I was in twice in the last few weeks. And I really mean this, right? This is not sensational. You might say, I've never seen this, Richie. Maybe you didn't. I'm a people watcher. Twice in recent weeks, I've seen women, two individual women, in distress in a supermarket. In distress, right? In, in a state of upset. One woman was crying. And it was about the bill. They've labelled it the cost of living crisis. 
the the government has labelled it that. In reality, what's happened in the last year, in my opinion, year and a half since, and this is my opinion, since this wag-the-dog war between Russia and Ukraine, this invasion of Ukraine, I call it wag-the-dog because I really don't know what's going on there. And I'm open to all possibilities, right? So you've got this... So so they've, they've laid the blame for everything skyrocketing. The bills, your energy bills, your food bills, your bills full stop have skyrocketed. And I believe I don't have any numbers, I don't have any percentages, but people that were just about getting by have been plunged into poverty. And I see this with my own eyes because I'm a people watcher. And I'm a bit of an empath. I can see it. People in distress, real distress. Met a guy one morning at um at a, at, at, at I'm going to say it was Tesco. Absolutely broken the guy, because he hadn't a pot to piss in. We were talking about it, chatting about his circumstances, and he was talking about some of his neighbours. So that's happening. That's real. That now, it's gotten so bad if you believe some of the tabloids that some women have asked their doctors to prescribe shampoo because they're broke and they can't afford hygiene products. Now, like I said, I I believe this. You should see the emails I get and I don't get begging emails. I get dignified emails from people who tell me they are absolutely terrified that if they don't make rent and if they do end up becoming evicted, that they will not be able to find some place to stay because they won't be able quickly enough, they won't be able in a timely way to get the deposit for the next um, for the next um, rent, for the next uh, tenancy agreement because they lose their deposit because they're in rent arrears. So I get these emails from people. They're not begging. right? You help where you can, but they're not begging. They're not asking for anything. I see this going on. Salford is an amazing place. It's a big working class city. Big enough. Maybe it's a big, big, big town more than a big city. And it, there are lots of different streets and lots of different neighbourhoods in Salford. But I see this. I saw it when I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford in the 80s when poverty was real. I remember um, our family had money because of his, I can't say his name, uh, the guy who who who, who acted as my, my father, right? Because he worked as a, as a, as a, um, as a glass cutter at Waterford Crystal. So they had money. And some of our neighbours would, would regularly come round to ask for some money. And they weren't beggars. They weren't lowlifes. And they weren't failures. Um, poverty was rife. There were no jobs in Waterford in the 1980s. You might have worked at Waterford Crystal. You might have worked for a company on the industrial estate. But there was a huge unemployment rate. So I've seen this growing up. If you came up on a council estate, you will have seen this. I will have went to school with kids. I would have gone to school with kids who hadn't did nothing, these kids. And I'm not going to say they were unhappy. I don't think they knew any better. But they had nothing. And I'm seeing the, those signs again in, in people. Nothing. So women are asking doctors to help out with things like sanitary products, shampoo and otherwise. 
Um, now, Jabba the Hutt um, d- didn't uh, die in Return of the Jedi. He now presents breakfast for LBC Radio in the mornings. He's a horrible bastard with no sympathy. He reckons that poor mothers should have their children taken away from them. This is about the worst thing I've heard from a radio presenter in many a year. In extremis, I can see that you possibly have a case to get nappies by prescription. Just in extremis. Shampoo, you go to Poundland, you can get a virtual bucket of shampoo for 99p. So while I get the nappies case, shampoo... Can I put it to you that if you can't afford to wash your baby's hair, his, his or her head, you shouldn't be having the child. And everybody can use the same shampoo anyway for 99p. And it's... This, and it's a- I, I wasn't aware that there was a shampoo available for 99p. And I'm thinking, if there is a shampoo available for 99p, it's probably toxic shit that you should be putting as far away from your scalp as is humanly possible. That's just my opinion. It's a bucket load of the stuff. So... You can get a bucket of shampoo for 99p, says Nick Ferrari. Is he right? Let's break this report down. Nappies, £2.20 for 58 It's a stretch, but you can just about get... Where can you get 58 nappies for £2.50? Has he somehow entered into some other dimension where you can buy nappies at nearly 60 for £2.50. You seem to know a lot about nappies, Richie. Um, I know a lot about a lot of things. Can you get 60 nappies for £2.50? Get me there. If the child, or sadly the adult, has a urinary infection, urinary situation, whatever, you know, we won't go into detail because it's, you probably have had your breakfast, but you don't need to be any any further. So get, but a bottle of shampoo is ludicrous. And if I was a doctor and somebody said, can I have shampoo on prescription, I'd take their children away. Wow. Nick Ferrari, who probably gets paid six figures, a six-figure salary, to sit on his fat arse in LBC Radio in Leicester Square Monday to Friday and lie to his listeners about climate change and lie to them about terrorism and lie to them about COVID. He reckons if mums ask a doctor to help out with shampoo, they should have their children taken away from him. What a lovely man. 18 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Let's talk briefly about Lucy Letby, the nurse who's in jail for life. I don't think I need to go into a preamble about the case. I think everybody knows about the case now. Convicted of murdering six babies at the neonatal unit in that hospital in Cheshire. But the jury couldn't reach a verdict on a number of other cases of attempted murder. And now, as a director of public prosecution is mulling over whether or not to retry Lucy Letby on the charges the jury couldn't reach a verdict on. Now, some people have misunderstood this, as as some people do, and they've read this wrong today, and they, they think Lucy Letby is getting a retrial. No, she isn't. She's not getting a retrial on the convictions. They're going to look into retrying her on those charges which they which the jury couldn't reach a verdict on. Um, Lucy Letby maintains to this day she's innocent and she has lodged an appeal with the judiciary in uh, in question in the case. Right. But a number of people do not believe that justice has been done here 
and that there's more to this than meets the eye. And Peter Hitchens wrote a column about this in the Mail on Sunday yesterday, which is very interesting. And here he is on Talk TV today in conversation with a bloke called Kevin O'Sullivan. I find the more I look at it, the more I think I would prefer this to be looked at again very, very seriously. I'm not saying, because it would be ludicrous for me to say that I know that Lucy Letby is innocent, because I don't. I'm not even saying Lucy Letby is innocent. I'm saying that she might be and she might not be guilty. If she is not guilty, then it's intolerable to me, and I would have thought intolerable for anybody to imagine that somebody who was not guilty of such a crime would be locked away for the rest of her life in the conditions which she will face. And there's a small point here. A lot of people say, well, she was convicted in a court of law. I have a great deal of respect for juries. Uh, and I know plenty of people who've been on them. And I know that they, they take the matter very seriously indeed. And I don't criticise the jury. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the business of doing that. And I feel very strongly for the, for the parents of the, of the lost children who must feel absolutely overwhelmed with grief by one of the worst things that can happen to any human being. But I can't see that they would wish there to be any injustice in the in the resolution of this case. Uh, and and I, I feel that they, 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 being decent people, would understand that a call for an examination of the case to make sure that it is just is reasonable. As one of my correspondents uh, on social media pointed out at the weekend, courts are not temples. They're basically buildings in which committees meet and judges are not priests and there's nothing sacred about this process. It can go wrong. As mm -hmm. I point out, the case of Andrew Malkinson, the, the, the alleged the rapist, rapist who yeah, turned yeah. out to be complete, completely innocent. Completely innocent. And David Curtin, the Heritage Party leader and founder, really lovely bloke who uh, is no stranger to this programme, David was uh, in discussion with Eamon Holmes and Isabel Webster on GB News this morning, uh, telling them why he believes Lucy Letby might have been, well, the victim of a, a terrible miscarriage of justice. And there's a lot of things about this case that are very concerning. And well, it's still today when you hear reports about this on the, some mainstream outlets, they say there were seven deaths in a 12 month period. Lucy was there for all of those uh, deaths of babies, but that simply isn't true. There were 17 deaths in that 12 month period. There were nine of them where she wasn't even there, but that's not presented to us in the media. And that wasn't presented to the jury in the courts. They were presented with a spreadsheet that showed that she was there 100% of the time when that simply wasn't true. So there's things like that, which I think I'm questioning, a lot of people are questioning and saying all of the evidence was circumstantial, absolutely all of it. And therefore, the verdict is seemingly unsafe. This could be one of the biggest and greatest miscarriages of justice ever in England. And it needs to be re-looked re at well, and there needs to be a retrial. Needs to be a retrial. What do you reckon, dear listener? It's interesting. Kate Chemerani said on this programme that no expert witnesses were called to testify on her behalf. And obviously I looked into that and Kate was um, right. That, that's right. In fact, a plumber testified. And the plumber's testimony was favourable to Lucy Letby because the plumber said that there were serious issues with the pipe work there that resulted in sewage coming back up pipes and into areas like the neonatal unit. And this might, you know, cause, it might have been problematic. It might have led to disease or, or, or sickness. The, the take, some people, some people are saying that basically the hospital was in a complete, was in a complete, was a complete shambles. 
and, and, and that the shambles explains the rise in infant mortality in that or on that particular ward and that maybe the people really responsible for that are using Lucy Letby as some sort of, of patsy. What do you think? RichieAllen.co.uk I'm going to read some of your messages. Thank you for them. G-Man says, on Ferrari on LBC, he says, this wretched bastard also wanted to charge people who didn't take the jab a thousand pounds a week until they acquiesced. What a colossal banker, he says, but he doesn't say banker. Yeah, that's right. Ferrari was one of the most robust. He was the most, one of the most, um, uh, he was one of the loudest voices on British radio in terms of, you know, calling the shots or, or screaming about what should happen to people who didn't take the job. These people are terrible. They think, I, I imagine these people think that we'll never, or that we'll forget what they did and what they said during March of 2020, and particularly during January, February and March of 2021, when people were, you know, explaining on social media and on programmes like this why they would never have a job. He was basically suggesting that they be sent into exile, people who refused to take the job. Absolutely. Scumbag. I know it's language unbecoming of a gentleman or of a lady, but scumbag. And he wasn't alone. There were many of them. Piers Morgan, another one, who who, who has set himself up as some sort of um, champion or saviour of free speech. Anything but. Uh, when you think of what Morgan did on ITV during 2020 screamed for harder and faster lockdowns, abused Conservative Party ministers when they came on that Good Morning Britain as to why they weren't doing more to keep people in their homes. Piers Morgan. They think these people that we don't forget, you know. I, I said it again. They, they, they must imagine or they must labour under the misapprehension that we have uh, forgotten. That this is, all, this is all over now. You know, that we've moved on but I haven't moved on. I remember these people. I'll remember them till the day I die. What they did, you know. On the heart machines, the defibrillators, Christine was in touch to um, opine on this, but I've lost the message now. No, I haven't. A school in Limavady had a free heart screening last winter. My neighbour's son plays rugby for the, for the school. He was told last summer he had to have the heart screening before he could play in the new school term. He had had the jab, unfortunately, says Christine. Thank you, Christine. And Carol says, I think what Sue said earlier about Gatwick Airport and about staff sickness restricting flights out for one week was a headline from today's Daily Mail. Sounds to me like she was quoting the headline. Thanks, Carol, and thanks, Sue. Funny enough, I didn't see that. Is that right? Is that due to staff, staff sickness or maybe staff exempting themselves from work because people continue to take these PCR tests. I'm amazed. I, listening to phone-in shows on the BBC, people are talking about they're continuing to take these tests because it gets them off work for a week or for two weeks. Maybe that's right, Carol. Gatwick Airport has restricted flights. It has had to do that because of staff shortages. It's just madness, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Patricia says there are some self-righteous people who do not have a clue that even an extra 99p 
is more than some can afford. Sad and pathetic souls, says Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine calling for the removal of children if parents don't have enough money to buy the essentials for them. His first thought isn't, how do we help parents who are on their arses, who are struggling to get meals on the table for their kids, let alone buy the essentials, like shampoo, like nappies. First thought is, um, fuck them, let's take their children from them. That's Nick Ferrari. That's your media in 2023. That's your media. Amazing. John says, I've said this before. Thank you, John. I I wouldn't know because I don't know you. But I'll try to find the link, he says. Peter McCulloch, one of these celebrity doctors, quoted an Italian university study that showed sudden deaths in professional and amateur athletes in Europe was 29 per year, but in 2022, it was 283. Now, I'd like to address something in the two minutes I have left. Please listen to this. This is important now. I'm not going to do a big preamble. I'm not ashamed to be proud of the way I do what I do. I'm proud of it. I'm competitive, right? I work hard on presenting it, on making it sound as good or better than what you hear when you flip around your FM stations and your 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 um, your, your DAB stations. I take great pride in it. So this is why I'm going to say what I'm going to say now. I've had a message from somebody who said to me, Richie, don't forget. Hang on, let me bring up this message now. Because um, it's a nice message. But it's to do... Yeah, it's from Kay. Hi, Kay. Richie, Naomi Wolf has been in discussion with Ed Dowd about ONS figures. uh, About 15 to 44-year-olds, cardiac sudden death alarming. Right, so why the preamble? Ed Dowd followed me on Twitter a year ago. Followed me. I can show you this on Twitter. Followed me and said to me, um, love the radio show, blah, blah, blah. I invited Ed Dowd onto the programme to talk a year ago. And he chose not to come on. So why did I tell you that? I take great pride in what I do. And I'm... I'll take the Pepsi challenge with anybody who works in the media. I'm on top of everything. I know who's saying what, who's publishing what book and when they're doing it. And I'm inviting them to come on the programme. But oftentimes they choose not to come on. So I want you to know that. Okay? The chances are when you hear somebody who's got a book out about cardiac deaths, the chances are I've invited them on this programme but they've chosen not to come on. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm not embarrassed by it. I, I couldn't give a shit, right? But on the flip side of it, there's a part of me that does. Because I'm very competitive. I like to be first. And you know, long before the COVID thing, chances were you'd hear somebody on this programme before you heard them anywhere else. But that was before Sky, The Guardian, The Daily Mail, The Tory Party went to town on The Richie Allen Show. The Board of Deputies of British Jews and put out statements warning people against coming on my programme. So that's the shit that I put up with day in, day out. I'm not annoyed now. But I don't want you thinking if somebody's got somebody on their show that has got something interesting to say that I've somehow missed that. Don't think that because I haven't missed it. I've invited him on. He still follows me on Twitter, Ed Dowd. But but, um, 
After three or four times inviting him on, I gave up. The guy still follows my, my account. He followed me, reached out to me, but then determined for some reason he wouldn't come on. I don't know anything about him other than he's got a book out about stats. But good, he's doing it with, it with Naomi Wolf and maybe people will see it and maybe it might um, disincentivize somebody from having a jab. So well done to Ed Dowd. But um, you can assume that I would have asked them first because I'm a real journalist. I work at it seven days a week, right? Yeah, this is a daily radio show and... Uh, I don't know why that pissed me off today, but it did. Anyway, that's it for me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take my leave of you now. I enjoyed that. Um, nice to be solo for a change. It's been a while. Uh, I won't be this week. I have guests booked in, really interesting people, and I'm sure we'll fit a phone in in uh, later on in the week, if not sooner. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? Have I got a tune lined up? Have I? Right, back tomorrow at 5, usual time, 5 to 7. See you then. Until then, it's Sophie B. Hawkins closing out today's programme. Look after yourselves and one another. And the programme, of course, will be podcasted, Spotify, iTunes and all the usual platforms in case you missed any of it. Bye.